Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Friday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well, getting ready for a big weekend. There is a lot going on, a lot we can uh, talk about, be keeping you up with. As a matter of fact, uh, there's already some action underway. Is Auburn softball out to a quick 6 nothing lead over Merrimack. I wonder that they bring monitor in, too, for your Civil War buffs. You'd have to go back and, and understand what I'm talking about. But, yeah, softball off to a 6 nothing lead. Auburn baseball a couple of hours away from starting. Gymnastics two and a half hours away. Got Auburn basketball tomorrow in Lexington looking for their first win there in 35 years. Auburn football starts uh, spring practice on Monday, and we now see the practice schedule and we know the opportunities that the media will have. We can talk about that and much more as we're just getting underway. It's Bill Carter Bird hanging around. You just uh, you just won't leave, will you? Yeah, hey, I just like hanging out and you know talking into a uh, microphone every now and then about. He what's, switched what's mics on. from where you were though. It was it so was it a feels like over he's there got he's got a different view this time. He's looking out the window. A while ago, you had the window at your back. Yeah, you were looking toward the lobby. So uh, yeah, so Carter's here. Uh, Drew at the controls. And hour number one of the drive brought to you as usual by Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And they're also the sponsor of our hotline, where you can join us with your calls, questions, comments by calling 334-321-1390. You can also text us on the drive text box which is brought to you by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, and that number is 334-564-1840. Now, uh, normally, all right, once I saw the football practice and availability schedule, I realized we're going to have to make some changes here over the next month plus because Mondays, Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com, usually with us here in the studio, but starting this Monday and every Monday during uh, spring football, there is a viewing window at 440. This coming Monday, Hugh Freeze is going to be holding a press conference at 6. And each ensuing Monday, he will be addressing the media at 3. So there's no way that Brian would be able to be with us, uh, except for just a, sh- a short period of time, if any at all, on Monday. So uh, so we will work on uh, finding finding a time that works well for Brian. But I wanted to go ahead and grab him. Uh, today, since he's covering baseball this weekend with Brian Stultz up in Lexington, and with so many things going on this weekend, uh, Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com now joining us here on the uh, first segment of the Friday Drive. B-Matt, how's it going? It's going pretty good, and um excited about covering baseball this weekend. And I was, I was a little surprised at first when I saw the spring practice schedule. Uh, surprised? In, what, what were you surprised at? Well, I think it's just uh, I'm used to having seen Saturday practices. Well, that's and, true. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they add something along. But I think right now, I think the point is scrimmages aren't as important as just practices and trying to for them to learn the players, players to learn the systems that are being installed. Yeah. 
And I think I think the biggest reason they didn't schedule or they haven't scheduled any Saturday practices is recruiting. Mm-hmm. I think they want to turn the weekend into just junior recruiting. days and and recruiting, right? Yep, yep. Well, I think that's and that, that, that's a change for the better. And that just really didn't enter my mind when I thought about Saturday. I thought about scrimmage and I thought about bringing in recruits for that. But when you're doing that as a coaching staff, you've got to spend a lot of time on your players and and on the scrimmage and you know everything that goes after it. So you don't spend as much time with with recruits. And if you do it this way and get your practicing done during the week, sure, the, the recruits don't get to see a practice live, but they get to get your full attention. And, and I think that's probably more important. Yeah, and you, and you can sort of do the math and figure there are five weeks. I was wondering how they were only going to get 15 practices in six weeks of practice when we're used to those yep. Saturdays. But with the open week of spring break coming up after week one, you have five weeks at three mm-hmm. practices a week. And so they'll, that, that last week with A-Day coming up, they'll go Monday, Wednesday, Saturday or something exactly. that last week. But there's no reason that if they scrimmage, it has to be on a Saturday. It could exactly. be, you know, a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. Exactly, exactly. So that's, I think it's really wise. It's something I didn't really consider until I saw it. And um, it just is another, uh, to me, a sign about how they're prioritizing recruiting, which is something Auburn has needed. We talked about it over and over again, but you're seeing it in everything they do. So, oh, yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think fans should be excited. I think um, this spring and, and going, and then, you know, they'll go through spring practice through April, and then they'll be back on the road. And then come June or the end of May to June, they'll have all those official visitors. It's going to be a really exciting time. I think you're going to see Auburn up there with the other schools around the South that get, you know, 15 to 20 commitments before the start of fall practice. Well, you're right. I mean, uh, just because this isn't the way we've seen it before sure doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with it. I love the little sort of thinking outside the box and, again, yep. the emphasis on recruiting while they're having they're having more time. They're going to have more time to really evaluate the players and try to get some things in by having yep. to start on February 27th and go all the way to, all, to April 8th. That's right. You know, if somebody gets banged up week one, It'll be another two weeks before, you know, he'll miss maybe a couple practices. And, you know, if he can be fine in two weeks, he's ready to go. That's, that's another big plus spreading out, I think. And, um, they, they, and like you said, they do have to make a lot of evaluations, right? There's so many jobs open. Every job on offense, to me, uh, you can make the argument for Jarquez Hunter as a starter, but every job on offense and just about every job on defense, minus maybe Marcus Harris at D-tackle and uh, all those great players like Nehemiah and, and, and those guys in the secondary uh, but everything else is wide open, so they've got to they got to put them through physical practice, which they are, and they got to do a lot of evaluation and planning, and you know, trying to fit guys in the right places. Uh, it's going to be really interesting, and we're going to get a chance to uh, to have viewing windows on Mondays. Uh, looks like we've got more access to coaches this spring than than we've ever had. Yeah, I'm excited about that. You know, um, getting a chance to sit down with an assistant coach or a coordinator each week mm-hmm. um, as that's big you know you can focus hey you know a little bit more on that group and get more specific about who's doing what and what you see so I think that's going to be um, great I, I know Zach Etheridge and somebody um, the first week I can't remember who that uh, Jake Thornton there you go so the the offensive line right that's that's mm-hmm. the biggest question mark going in so we're going to talk to Jake after the first couple practices there which will be which will be huge I think um, just to get his his thoughts on on his group and you know, it won't be a whole lot, right, because the, the offensive line's got to put on pads before they really get into it. But still, we'll have a, a little bit better idea how, they, how they're how they looking out there the first uh, first part of practice. 
Yeah, that means weekends are available for either uh, you know baseball if it's in town or yeah whatever. So that that's sort of that's sort of nice because I mean sometimes sometimes it's like oh you've got something you want to you're thinking about something and it's like oh but I gotta gotta get over to you know and sit yeah. around and wait for the scrimmage to get over on Saturday. So so that's nice. It'll free it'll yeah. free Hugh to to kind of go around campus, make himself visible, and continue to embrace Auburn, which the last coach did not do at all. <laughs> no, he's already he's already thrown out a first pitch, uh, you know, as yeah, as they were as they were as a matter of fact. And so let's let's sort of ease into baseball because you had no you had no idea that you'd be covering baseball just a few days ago because Auburn was going to be heading out to California. That's right. I knew I'd be covering it, but I figured I'd be covering it from you know the sofa at home. Oh yeah, I, I wasn't making that trip for baseball. <laughs> It'd be cool. But it wasn't going to happen. It wouldn't but, have been. Uh, it wouldn't have been cool to go out there and sit in the hail or whatever that's no, that's going on out there. That would not have been fun. But I, I'm excited to see, like you know, a great national program. You know, I've been watching college baseball for a long time. I can remember USC winning national championships. I forget what year it was, but it, it was during the um, you know live bat era. Where I, I think I think '98 like, was their last title. So it's been yeah, 25 and years. That was yeah. That yes. was the live. Better, and I, I think I remember them just hitting, you know, fifteen home runs or something crazy, mm-hmm. or, or, or being in just one of those slugfests. Um, so I'm just looking forward to seeing that. It's pretty cool that they've got uh, their Saturday uh, starter. Oh uh, man, Jared, Agassi. Uh, Jared Agassi. Yeah, Agassi. I'm wondering, wondering if mom and dad are going to be here. Yeah, yeah. Because so I mean, they they yeah. they they follow and and are attend a lot of his games. And for folks that don't know, uh, dad. One of the all-time greats, mm-hmm. Andre Agassi, and mom may be the best women's yeah. tennis player ever, Steffi Graf. Uh, yeah, she's now Stephanie, cool. I believe. She doesn't, doesn't, she's grown. She doesn't like going by Steffi anymore, but really. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, well, I read up a few things on them because it was pretty, it's pretty cool. Hey, there's some, there's some really interesting names on this USC team. I mean, their, their head coach is Andy Stankiewicz. Who was a uh, a major leaguer? With I, I remember him coming up with the Yankees, played with the Expos and a couple of other teams, and then they've got a young infielder uh, who is a who, whose whose dad was a uh, he he played ten to fifteen years in the majors at Mark Grizzlanik, and uh, right. it's uh, um, I believe it's uh, is it is it Boyd Martin Grizzlanik, but um, his mom played softball at UCLA, and his dad was like a 15-year major leaguer, and he's already off to a hot start at Southern Cal. I think he's got seven RBIs and a home run. So, wow. yeah, this, this is cool. I mean, I'm really excited about it. I've got, I've got uh, granddaddy duty tonight, but I'm, right. I'm looking forward to getting over and seeing. I really want to see that matchup on the mound tomorrow uh, between Agassi and Joseph Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah, I think that's going to be a terrific um, matchup. Joseph was so good. In his first start, I expected morning to go two or three innings, but he was so efficient. Uh, got, I think it was 11 ground balls in five innings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he threw 41 uh, pitches. Yes, that's incredible. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see Chase Alsop, you know. Um, yeah. The thing with him is that, that efficiency. He needs to be more efficient. You know, he's got great stuff. Uh, can bring that fastball up. They're pretty good. He's just got to, you know, be in control more. And one thing Butch said was uh, this USC team is a really patient team at the plate. Uh, they're going to swing at strikes and and uh, look at balls. So Auburn's going to have to be really good about, you know, finding that strike zone early and mm-hmm. um, you know getting ahead and count. 
Uh, and and want to let folks know there there should still be tickets available. And the season ticket holders had the opportunity to get their season uh, to get their regular seats, but a lot of folks had some other plans. So there should be some good seats available. Uh, and looking for good crowds. I mean, the sun's starting to come out now. It's going to be nice weather. It looks like for the entire weekend. So so that's exciting. So uh, so we've got that going on, and then we mentioned uh, Brian Stultz up in Lexington yep. to cover Auburn and Kentucky as the Tigers look to look to break a long, long losing streak up there in Lexington. What do you remember about John Kaler in 1988? Of course, I was a student at Auburn then, but I'm, I'm curious, Bill, what do you remember about John? That? John well, we, we were both a good bit leaner at that time. John, <laughs> John, John, had such a, John had such a nice stroke, and I mean, he really did. And that ball game was back and forth and back and forth. It was... It was the, the second time I'd ever been to Rupp, but the first time I'd been to a uh, to a men's game there at Rupp, and it, it and it was packed. Kentucky was the number one team in the country. Um, I think Auburn was like eight and two. And by the way, we've got Sonny Smith coming on at the bottom of the hour. I'll get oh, I'll get Sonny I'll get Sonny to give us some memories of that. But uh, yeah. it was a a great defensive struggle. It was back and forth, and Auburn battled back and got the ball. And uh, as as we came down, and and John was uh, um, you know just off the top of the key and got the ball. It was an open look, and I mean it's a shot that you knew he could make. But I mean he's a youngster. Um, I mean he really he really started playing after Mike Jones was declared ineligible, and uh, so I mean it was early in the conference season. It seemed like it was a second or third conference game. So yeah, it was pretty it was early. January 9th. There was so snow on the ground when we landed in Lexington. It was scary as crap on the flight <laughs> coming down and landing on a snowy and icy runway there. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the crowd was great. Um, every, every, I mean, it was unbelievable. When, when, when John got the ball and he let it go, you could tell it was going. And, and, this, and this young color guy started hollering before Jim could Jim could make the call. So that's probably that's probably why that was the last year that I did color for, for men's basketball. I'll tell you what, it's tough doing color when you're used to being play by play. It would have been yeah. the, the second conference game after Auburn. Yeah, okay. I knew it was Auburn really early a, in the season. Being a ranked Florida in the first game, it's, I think they're ranked fifteenth. It looks like, and then Kentucky was ranked first. And then it seemed like uh, seemed like we struggled for a few games after that. Yeah, the next four after the Kentucky <laughs> game, they went one and three. Yeah, okay. Well, whatever. Still, uh, it, it, it was a great moment. I mean, the, the one one of the biggest wins in in Auburn basketball history. So, Absolutely. yeah, looking forward to that. Hey, and it's it's a big challenge for Auburn now. You know, a. a a couple of weeks ago, it looked like, hey, let's go ahead and get in there. And at that time, you know, Kentucky wasn't playing so well, but they've turned it around now. They have. Uh, they're playing much, much better. Um, they're really big and long, right? Um, maybe not the best defensive team or, or right? defensively as they need to be. So there, there's some opportunities there. If Auburn can be efficient and, and make some shots, they're, they're going to be there for them. Uh, but man, slowing down Shebe and um, you know their bigs inside. Shebe, Toppin, Livingston. I mean, they they've they've yep. got a a very very dangerous front court. They got guards are going to be bigger than Auburn's as well. Yeah, but you're right. Problem for Auburn all season. Yep, but but you're right. They have not been a uh, top defensive team this year. So Auburn's going to need to be able to take advantage uh, and and make open shots. That's something they've done a better job of the last uh, few ball games. 
They have been. I think it was, even though they didn't play great against Ole Miss, I think it was important for them to win a close game because mm-hmm. they lost so many of them. So that's got to mm-hmm. give them a little confidence. And, you know, their guards are not very good shooters. But there, there have been games, and I think there will still be games, where they have, you know, one of those nights where they just, the shots drop for them. So maybe this can be one of those nights. I think, uh, I think they're going to push the tempo. Uh, Kentucky's not really deep. And Auburn will play 10, 10 guys, even though sometimes, you know, the, the bench is not really performed like you want them to. But I, I still think it's important for them to get them out there. And, and if it's a close game, maybe Auburn can play better down the stretch again. Here's hoping, no question. Brian, really appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Uh, before you get out of here, just, you know, we, we talked about some of the things, but just let everybody know what you guys are going to be covering and things to look forward to there at AuburnSports.com here over the next few days. Yeah, we got uh, a couple guys up in uh, Lexington, including uh, Brian Stoltz. He'll be up there for coverage of basketball. I'll be at baseball all weekend. I know Caleb is at softball. And, of course, Monday we'll have video and a report from practice, uh, viewing period, and then uh, plenty of um, stories and, and updates from you freeze on Monday and then get together, of course, Tuesday for our rundown. So all that and more, AuburnSports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at BMATAU. Sounds great, Brian. Looking forward to it. I'll see you at the ballpark tomorrow, and we'll figure out when a good time for you next week is. Sounds great. Appreciate it. Brian Matthews, AuburnSports.com, joining us here sort of on the uh, spur of the moment as as uh, we got the schedule for football. We'll go over that and more. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Just underway here on the Friday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Friday afternoon. And not, not looking bad now. It's been sort of overcast, sprinkled a couple of times earlier today. Weather looks pretty good for uh, for action on the diamond. Oh, I, I forgot to check again. Like I said, when we came on the air, Auburn softball was up six to nothing over Merrimack. Uh, I'll I'll check and uh, we, we can give you updates on that as we move on. Auburn baseball will uh, start at um, six o'clock tonight. It's six o'clock tonight. Two o'clock tomorrow noon on Sunday. Uh, for Auburn and Southern Cal. So, yeah, it's now 11 nothing Auburn. About to be a run rule as it's bottom of the third and Auburn up 11 nothing in softball. All right, uh, we, we mentioned a couple of the things about baseball this evening. Yeah, you'd mentioned this earlier. Hey, Southern Cal has won twice as many national championships as any other team yeah. in, in, I mean, they in, were... in the country. As dominant of a, I mean, they, they're they're basically the team of the late 50s, 60s, oh, they're the, and they're the 70s. Team, they're the team of the second half of the 20th century. I mean, they, they they won in 58, 61, 63, 68, 70, 71, 72, 73, 74, and 78, and were runners up in 60 and, and 95. But uh, and then they won again in 98. Didn't they? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. they, they so they won in they won in forty eight and ninety eight to kind of book yeah. in that so said, the crazy second, run in the, the late fifties through the seventies. The, the, the fifty years, the last fifty years of the twentieth century, they and and still like you'd mentioned, they have won twelve national championships 
Texas and LSU have won six each. So they have won as many national championships as the second and third teams combined. And you know what's crazy? Since 2005, they've only been to the tournament once. They've struggled. It really, it really has been a struggle. I don't know how you have that dramatic of a drop-off and you're not able to rebound in 18 and 17 years. That feels... That's... That's so wildly extreme. I don't think I've I've seen that level of it in in college sports. Well, they uh, they really um, you know they're off to a good start. They're three and one right now, and they've got a guy in uh, in Andy Stankowitz who um, former major leaguer. He was one of those um, sort of pesky utility players could play anywhere, um, but he is. He's been a head coach now. I believe he's in his 12th or 13th year as a head coach. He was at Grand Canyon uh, before uh, Southern Cal hired him. And uh, he's, you know, he, he's, he's got them thinking that they can you know, bring back some of the glory there. So, I mean, mm-hmm. this is really cool, though, to be playing. Um, you know, it's a team you don't play unless you, unless you see them in Omaha, usually. Their, their only loss so far this year is a one-run loss to a Hey, really Cal good. Irvine is a UC serious really baseball good. program. You know their they, nickname? The Anteaters? Oh, yeah. They, yeah, they, they won a national championship. They've won a national championship or two in baseball. Since, yeah, since Southern Cal has. Yes, exactly. And, and this UC Irvine program is off to a really hot start. Yeah. They swept Tulane, beat USC, and then beat Washington State. They're 5-0. and So, I mean, that's a pretty solid loss. So, this is a good... Uh, has the potential to be a pretty good USC team, uh, especially when you look at the way that they swept Marist in the opening series and then dropped a close one to UC Irvine. Yeah, and uh, at at uh, at Grand Canyon, Andy Stankiewicz won 41 games last year, 39 the year before. Uh, you'd see the program looking like they got better. He went from um, 25, 29, 33, 36, 39, and 41. The last six years, getting better every single year over the last six years. So, yeah, looking forward to this series here. Glad that it's here in town. And again, uh, as we mentioned, there should be some good seats available. Just uh, head on over to Plainsman Park. So, uh, so yeah, baseball going on and uh, softball. And then gymnastics has the Georgia Gym Dogs coming in this weekend. So, I mean, it, there's a lot going on around campus this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a busy weekend between... Softball, baseball, uh, I mean, basketball's on the road, but gymnastics, I mean, it's it's nonstop. And you've got <laughs> some other spring sports that have gotten rolling. I know uh, tennis, oh, tennis is golf, going yeah. on. Uh, by the way, did did you see when golf had the surprise announced that they were going to play in the tournament in Hawaii and then the ho- tournament they never got, got, got off got the post, ground? Yeah, it got canceled. Have you seen the videos they, of it? Well, they got to go. Yeah, yeah. They, they were out there, and the wind was blowing so hard yeah. that they were not able to play the tournament. That's crazy. Still, that's uh, that's not that's not a bad that's not a bad recruiting pitch. It's like, yeah, we get to go to places like Hawaii. Yeah, and basically turned into a glorified vacation, I yeah. guess, because they didn't have to actually play the tournament. No kidding. All right, uh, we're um, we're here in the studio on this Friday. We may, uh, if we get a chance, we can run some audio from Butch Thompson previewing Southern Cal the the Southern Cal series coming up in just a little while. But uh, coming up here after our bottom of the hour break, we're going to check in. With Sonny Smith, we haven't talked with uh, Coach in in a few weeks. He's not uh, making the trip to Lexington. 
we'll we'll have him on though. Get his thoughts on Auburn, Kentucky, um, maybe even have him uh, look back at uh, 35 years ago, the last time that Auburn won up there in Lexington. So we'll have him on in just a few minutes, and then uh, then we'll, then we'll open up the phone lines after that. But we're coming up on our bottom of the hour break as we uh, continue. Bill and Carter drew at the controls here on the Friday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Friday afternoon. Hope everybody having a, a good Friday and looking forward to a nice weekend. It looks like it's going to be very nice spring-like type weekend. We've talked quite a few things. There's so much going on. And, of course, not the least of which, of course, is Auburn-Kentucky basketball up in Lexington at Rupp. And uh, we're very, very pleased to be joined here on the drive by Auburn Hall of Fame. Let's see, Hall of Famer. He is, uh, in my mind, just one of the... Um, one of the the most entertaining, but just one of the one of the greatest folks that you will ever meet, and that is Coach Sonny Smith joining Bill and Carter here on the Friday Drive. Sonny, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Glad to be with you guys. Oh yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, um, we we've been talking about. I mean, all down the stretch, every game is a big game. But here we sit, Auburn now nine and six, one game back of Kentucky, who is ten and five and in third place. Uh, in the SEC, and with this uh, sort of an amen corner, if you will, that Auburn's got here with Ken- at Kentucky and Alabama, and then home at ten- against Tennessee, uh, this is a huge game tomorrow. With with so much, if if Auburn could win this, I think they'd definitely lock down an NCAA bid, and they'd uh, put themselves in great shape for a double buy in the SEC tournament. I totally agree. I, I I was always thinking maybe we could be in anyway if we didn't win uh, uh, some of these games, these late games. But uh, I think some are going to be kind of critical because you're never going to know if we could get in or not. But a win at Kentucky would definitely put us in the NCAA tournament. Coach, with uh, a, win, a win on Saturday, how would that change, I guess, how this year's team is viewed and their legacy, considering the only other two wins Auburn has in Rupp, you were coaching. Yeah, somebody brought that up today. Was that the last time Auburn won, or the first it, time yes, it, it, it was Sonny, and and uh, I, I I I mentioned a while ago that uh, you know I I was fortunate enough to be there 
you know, hollering over Jim doing doing the color that day. Uh, right. it, it's been yeah, a long it's been a long time, and uh, that's a tough place to go and win. You know, he used to say you can't go in because a fish was going to beat you. I think that's a thing of the past. I think it's been a thing of the past for years because uh, the officials are so much organized, better organized now than they were years ago when I was coaching. Um, and, and I say that because uh, long about the time that we were kind of on a roll, or, organizing of the officials took place. You used to have guys, you couldn't go to Kentucky and win. Uh, and they say, why? And they say the officials. Well, I think all that changed. I think, uh, they got to, uh, they got officials in a position where you, uh, the guys with the best name got to stay and get the better games. And, uh, I think it's, I think officiating is one thing that's really changed in this league. We had a caller a little while ago, or we were talking a little while, I guess, with, with Brian Matthews from Auburn Sports, and, uh, he was, uh, just wanting, uh, wondering some some thoughts or memories from that win back in 1988, and I didn't remember exactly. I knew it was early in the SEC season as I was thinking back. I'm, I'm sure you still have some memories of that. It was a season where you didn't you didn't have all the pieces that you thought you were going to have when we got into conference play because uh, let's see, Jeff had gotten hurt, and then yes. Mike Mike Jones had been declared ineligible. Yes, that was. And that was two of the top scorers on the team. Absolutely. Two, they, well, you, you referred to both those guys as go-to guys. And you lose two go-to guys, and that makes it awful tough. But, but what happened is it ended up giving players a chance to play. John Kaler, for mm-hmm. instance, getting uh, minutes, and uh, which would have been held up by uh, Mike and, and by Jeff. But uh, that was two terrific losses, and I don't know. Uh, I don't know how uh, uh, how we were going to make it, but we ended up with doing pretty well. But the thing about it, that was two great losses. And that was a. I mean, that was a low scoring ball game. It was mm-hmm. a tight one uh, that was uh, back and forth. And man, there have been so many times uh, in Auburn, Kentucky history where it comes down there to the end, and it would seem like they'd have a guard that would hit that, you know, hit hit yeah. that long distance jumper right there at the buzzer. But this I time, we got, yeah. Uh, I think you would probably know more so than me on this bill because of my age. Uh, but I think we lost three times to Kentucky with the ball in the air. It's a buzzer. It uh, felt like and, more than that, Sonny. Uh, yeah, but it was there. Actually, were more. Yeah, all were really, really close games. And but three of them with the ball in the air to buzzer. Macy hit one of them. Master uh, did. Hit, oh, or, yeah. Yeah, try, you're other right. One well, I'm. I, I, yeah, I, I go. I go back before you were here, and I remember uh, you know, Rex doing it one time, and then Jim yeah, Master. Right. It's like uh, it seemed like just about every year they had a guy that looked about the same, a six three, six four guy that could just uh, shoot the lights out, that would hit one right at the buzzer. Yeah. Well, it's three times I know the ball in the air to buzzer, and then you can't. Taylor's shot, that'd be four. Well, John's shot came with 10 seconds, and I got the ball, and I'm thinking, oh, God, not again. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, John always said to play his broken play. when It actually was a call three-point shot play uh, for the two wings, and uh, they end up forcing us to hit the side that John was on. We ran. 
we ran it. We called it. We we called it Green Three. I think it was called back at the time, and uh, and it, it would be basically for two players, two wing players, be, get receiving double screens, and uh, so it would have been. So who who would it, who would it have been to Chris? I if it wasn't say, if it wasn't John, it would have been Chris Morris for sure. Yeah, and Mike Jones would, would have been Mike, Mike Jones, the one you wanted to have. You're going to sure. go for two. Uh, you're going to get Mike Jones the ball because he was terrific. With he could put it on the floor uh, better than anybody who had and get a shot. Chris Morris was quick first step, but not not for getting the shot off the dribble. But Mike Mike Jones was terrific at that. Uh, and uh, it, it was a three-point shot call play because we needed three, mm-hmm. and John made that shot. It was terrific. Yeah, it was 62-60 when he hit it, and Auburn wins at 63-62. Well, you know, it's it's great to be able to uh, think back and, uh, and everything, but it's not – I don't feel like, oh, it's a record that doesn't need to be broken. It's time. Uh, I mean, if uh, – but, but it's going to be very tough. The matchups there, Kentucky – uh, their front court is really playing well, and and they, they also are. have and they also have, as most teams do, bigger guards. Well, the biggest worry for me when Auburn goes into the game is the size of our guards, uh, and sometimes we play so well that they're not able to take advantage of that. Uh, but when they do, it 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 is a it is a source of a concern anytime you go out there because we do have small guards, and we play them because. Basically, because they're really so good on defense, and uh, you're, you're you can you can take for instance you can take away the three point shot on a smaller guard than you can a big guard, mm-hmm. but you also can't keep a three point you can't keep a small guard out of the lane on the dribble either easily because they're usually good ball handlers they wouldn't be playing uh, in the SEC. So it's uh, it's one of those games. If someone say, what's the key? I'd say staying out of foul trouble anytime you go to Kentucky. But that's just spread in because officiating used to be so bad. But it, it, it it's not that case anymore. So, but I still think staying out of foul trouble is, is the number one key for winning this game. Yeah, when you've got, you know, when when, they, when they've got Shebway uh, and Toppin there in, inside, especially, and, and Livingston yeah. really picking things up, I mean, it's it's imperative that, uh, that Janai... And and Jalen, you know, be able to to stay out there on the court, you know, and and not be on the bench yeah. because of fouls. Well, Broom, it, it's a real key to keeping them in the game. Now, it's going to be the go-to area that Kentucky's oh, yeah. going to go to without a doubt. And staying out of foul trouble against them, and that I think is going to be the biggest key to winning. And the other is don't give them a bunch of second shots. Now, they're not going to be a great first shot team, uh, but. Don't give them a chance to get second shots. And uh, the physicality, John's team, I don't think they ever get the credit for how physical they are. They're a very physical team every time they go out there. And and don't let them out-physical us, if that's English is correct. Well, and uh, Carter had, had some numbers. Where would you say Kentucky is in offensive rebounding? In offensive rebounding percentage, Kentucky is the number three team in the country, and Auburn at allowing offensive rebounds, I guess the, the percentage, Auburn is 301st. So it's yeah. not a great matchup for Auburn on that end. Auburn has to make a very concerted effort to to limit that in this matchup. Sonny, I've noticed. Uh, you're exactly right. Go ahead. Gonna, no, I was going to say, Sonny, I, I, I've noticed it. Uh, I don't know if it's, um, I mean, it seems like a lot of the time Auburn only has Janai 
there underneath the boards. I mean, it'll be him. It looked like the other night it was Janai against uh, three or four Ole Miss players trying to trying to keep them from getting uh, second shots. No, we're breaking up, but I think you're talking about the concern of uh, teams getting second shots against us. Yeah, and, uh, and, and Auburn not having as many guys, it doesn't seem like, that are underneath fighting. Uh, it seems like it's pretty much just Janai against uh, uh, multiple players from the other team. Well, I noticed the other night in a game that concerned me a little bit. Ball would go up and our guards would fade into yep. kick-out areas so they could run mm-hmm. instead of going and rebounding the basketball. I and I, I, if somebody asked me a uh, key to this game, I say the key to this game is rebound with five. All five guys go to the board. Don't give Kentucky second shots. And the other thing is defend the post without fouling. Now you know when we go into this game where that ball's going to go. Uh, it's going to go there a lot. And Shebway is is playing better now than I think. I, I don't know if he's playing better or teams than us not defend him like they were early. But uh, they're going to they're going to be an inside out team, and I think, and that's what we're going to have to do. I think physicality is one of the real keys in this game. I, I agree with you, Sonny. Before we let you go, just wanted to get a couple of quick thoughts. Just looking at the SEC as a whole, I mean, it, it's been a a strange year where it seems like uh, other than the the top team or two and the bottom team or two, everybody else can beat anybody. Anybody can beat anybody, mm-hmm. and it's. And, you know, I looked at the thing at, at one time, and it, that's changing a little bit. I thought Alabama was the best team in the league. We could say all the others were just slightly behind them yep. because I thought they had the size, the length, and, and uh, the, uh, the, uh, the athletes were a little bit better through six, I think, or seven players maybe. And now I don't know what's going on, if that's going to change some of that. It may have tightened up this race just a little bit for all we know, but uh, – uh, they were the best. I never looked at Kentucky as one of the top teams, but then I started looking at Kentucky. I know we got to go. Uh, I started looking at Kentucky as how they're coming on late. They're mm-hmm. they're they're playing better basketball. Well, they really than are. They were, I don't, and that's uh, that's the real key. Is be be there when it's getting close to season and time to get the NCAA and postseason play. Oh yeah, and they're and. Their their last three wins are at a very solid Mississippi State team. They beat Tennessee at home to sweep that series, and then winning at Florida. Those are some solid wins, and they have some decent momentum going into this matchup tomorrow. Yeah, I thought that they were coming together. Uh, they really mm-hmm. did. And when they lost Wheeler and somebody else, that was Frederick, really a good player. That I can't. Yeah, uh, when they lost them, I thought maybe this was going to be tough for Kentucky to come on, but they have stepped up. And uh, they're playing real good basketball right now. Quite the challenge for Auburn tomorrow, but let's uh, let, let's hope that, uh, that that Auburn can uh, can pick up that first win in thirty five years. Hard to believe it's been that long, Sonny. Yeah, let's stay out of <laughs> foul trouble. Time flies, doesn't five. it? That's the way I think we'll win. All right, Sonny, I really appreciate you spending a little time with us. Good to hear everything's going well. Uh, have a great weekend. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Absolutely, it, love it. Coach Sonny Smith joining us here on the Friday Drive. Great to have him back. Uh, and and yeah, we will uh, hopefully talk to him more as we head toward and into the postseason. We'll get to our final break here of hour number one, and we'll open up the phone lines. Love for you to join in here on the Friday Drive. 
Hi, Jerry here from University Ace Hardware. I've lived in Alabama all of my life and in Auburn for 35 years. My background is in construction and building maintenance. I retired three years ago after working for Oklahoma City Schools for 18 years. I enjoy working at University Ace Hardware because I work for and with really good people, and I get to help friends with their home projects on a daily basis. See us at University Ace Hardware, locally owned since 2013, next to the movie theater in Auburn. Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, final segment of hour number one here on this Friday afternoon. Our thanks to... Sonny Smith for joining us in the previous segment, and then uh, Brian Matthews had what's sort of an all-star Friday thus far, and we appreciate uh, those guys joining us. Brian will not be able to be on Monday because Auburn spring football practice starts Monday. There's a viewing window. Uh, Dan should be back Monday. I, I I may sneak out of here early and go watch the uh, practice and stick around, and uh, I'd be able to call in in the second hour and then uh, go to Hugh Freeze's press conference uh, after practice as well. So uh, a lot going on. Um, We were talking some baseball a little while ago, previewing Auburn and Southern Cal, but that um, there's some other baseball news from around the Southeastern Conference. And uh, the Tennessee, which, I mean, last year, you know, was unbelievable, uh, during the regular season before being knocked out in the Super Regional a year ago, um, will be without their head coach, Tony Vitello, this weekend. He has been suspended um, for the uh, series against Dayton as, uh, according to uh, the University of Tennessee, Tennessee and Vitello are, quote, working collaboratively with the NCAA, unquote, to address a violation within the program. And they haven't said specifically, but it sure appears <laughs> that it has to do with the transfer of uh, Maui Ahuna from uh, from from Kansas. Yes, because Maui Ahuna is he's not been eligible for their first five games. He's yet to play the the star shortstop transfer. From, yeah, he hit from nearly four hundred with eight homers at Kansas a year ago. Yeah, and Kansas is not exactly known for being a baseball powerhouse in the Big Twelve. Um, so taking the step up to Tennessee, I mean, it was one of those those transfer uh, announcements that made some waves. But uh, they're diving deep into, or the the NCAA is looking into that. It appears, and um, I mean, Tennessee seems pretty upfront that yeah, we we messed up in some. Well, capacity. I think it it must be something that is obvious. They can't go. Well, are you sure? It must be something that it's uh it's just black and white. It's a fact mm-hmm. that they did something. And this appears the NCAA looking like oh they're they're. They're uh, attempting to show that they still have some teeth as far as the transfer portal and NIL. Yeah, there was. They came down with their first uh, NIL, I guess, punishment on Miami women's basketball. Uh, I don't think it necessarily was like a very severe punishment, but it is the first time we've what, seen that. What was the punishment? It was something like a reduction of visits, visits. and recruiting okay. days and. 
a, a certain dollar amount what did fine. they what did they do did they say exactly what they did with the uh, with the twins um I'm trying to pull it up for you. It must um, have maybe it, was, it appeared to be an inducement or, not, or a performance based or something. Their like coach that. was suspended, I think, for the first three games of this season. So I think that may have been a self-imposed thing by Miami to kind of get out on the front end um, of it. But it's I'm trying to find the the latest um, level two violations in the recruitment of the Cavender twins who are two of the like most well-known female athletes in college sports right now. I think when NIL got um, went into effect, within like a couple hours, they had a billboard in Times Square of them. Like it was that quick. Um, but yeah, I think I it's, it, it. It seems funny since I mean you know Miami's been out front with oh yeah they're gonna they're gonna pay their players. I there's guess a it, five thousand dollar. Fine, plus a one percent reduction of the women's basketball budget. Oh, well, they'll just, they'll just get that kicked in from <laughs> from the booster. Yes. I mean, he'll just cover that. Uh, and then restrictions on official visits, in-person recruiting days. That's mainly the extent yeah. of it. It's well, nothing too crazy. It's really not. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, I I, I would imagine that uh, it, it sounds like Tennessee and the NCAA are going to have this thing worked out. Uh, and and this is just a break for Vitello. It's uh, it's his third suspension in six years at, as the Tennessee baseball coach. Yeah, because remember last year he oh, bumped that bumped, umpire, just bumped it up. Yeah, and in my opinion, I still have issues with him launching an Auburn bat across oh, yeah. the field into a crowd of Auburn no players. Kidding. And he is, trying to he is ex- such he is such a hothead that he, and, and he expects to win every game and win it big. It is he's so brash and in your face, and that team is that way. Yep. And then he whines and cries when somebody else does it a little That's bit right. back at him. And I just like you can't have that both ways. No, nope. you either need to be really buttoned up, unwritten rules to the fullest extent, like, hey, respect the game. If, if you and give it, you, can get you better be able that. to take exactly. it. That's, that's, all, that's all I've said. And I've said that to a lot of folks about many different things. And I mean, that's, that's fine. Why, if you want to give it, you better just be ready to take it. And that's why he's maybe the most hated coach in college baseball, and that program is maybe the most hated program in college baseball right now. And, like, the other day we were talking about Tennessee baseball. I don't know if it was on, on the line or if it was on the drive with you. And I just for my own enjoyment, pulled up the the clip from their Super Regional when Drew Gilbert, their center fielder, got ejected for cussing out the umpire yeah. in the middle of an at-bat just because it, it made me laugh and it made me feel good on the inside watching that happen. <laughs> oh, no question. Uh, you weren't the only one by any means. All right, we're halfway done here on the Friday Drive. Love for you to join in anything you want to talk about. If we get a chance, we'll let you hear some of the uh, comments from Butch Thompson as we're about an hour away from the opening pitch, from the first pitch of Auburn and uh, Southern Cal. Stick with us for hour number two here on the Friday Drive. is an equal opportunity. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. 
I'm Doug Brown. ESPN's Adrian Warzanowski reports Quinn Snyder could be the next head coach of the Atlanta Hawks. Nate McMillan was fired three days ago. Snyder resigned last year as coach of the Jazz and is now talking with the Hawks. 7.30 Eastern for an NBA doubleheader tonight on ESPN. The Bucks hosting the Heat, followed by the Suns hosting the Thunder. ESPN's Jeff Passan reports that by the start of the new baseball season, pitchers and hitters are hoping to adjust to the new pace of play rules. That's what spring training is for, and the hope is that by opening day, there are going to be far fewer penalties levied against pitchers and against hitters, remember, both of whom with the pitch clock can be penalized for either not being in the batter's box with eight seconds left or not throwing the ball with the clock hitting zero. Jeff Passan, today Manny Machado of the Padres committed the first batter's box violation in a spring training game, starting his at-bat with an 0-1 count. Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson disputing a report in The Athletic that he tried to get Pete Carroll and John Schneider fired before he was traded. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. opportunities uh, to, to talk with coaches on Wednesdays.
Um, but no, we're going to talk. We're going to get coaches on Tuesdays. Uh, even though Auburn's practicing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we'll get coaches, assistant coaches on Tuesdays, and then players on Wednesdays before they go out to practice. So and it looks like. Uh... You get freeze on Mondays, right? Yeah, every Monday. Uh, this coming Monday, like I said, it's going to be six. Most Mondays after that, it'll be at uh, three thirty before practice gets started at around uh, you know four thirty or so. So, yeah, excited about the start of spring football. Uh, so, we had Brian on there at the top, and then at the bottom of the hour, we talked with Sonny Smith and uh, some some memories of the last time Auburn beat Kentucky at Rupp. That was back in 1988 when John Cater uh, hit the three to give Auburn a 63-62 win. And uh, talking about tomorrow's matchup with Kentucky, and and I don't, uh, I completely agree with Sonny. I mean, it's um, staying out of foul trouble, trying to limit second shots for Kentucky. I think are two huge, yes. huge factors. Uh, I mean, I I'm very fascinated to know. Just how hmm, how much can this Auburn team, these Auburn big men, limit uh, Oscar Sheway? Uh, because we've seen yeah. Auburn's big men um, have struggled with really physical big men mm-hmm. uh, this season, whether it be Texas A&M or Tennessee uh, or even Mississippi State. Um, those kind of four games jump out to me right now as um, games where the opposing team's big man has kind of taken it to Janai Broom and even um, even Dylan Carwell. I mean, Dylan Carwell was somebody who I don't think has been as physical as we've seen in certain spots in the past. Like, I like I think back to the SEC tournament last year. No, no, I, th- I think maybe, maybe the back injury affected mm-hmm. him some but no he hasn't been it doesn't seem like hadn't hadn't taken that step that you you hoped he would take i think back to sec tournament last year when you have kessler dealing with that shoulder injury and a&m is kind of taking it to him dylan carwell comes in and i thought played very very physical in that game and made life a lot more difficult on the defensive end for the a&m big men I haven't seen that as much this year, and and that's been something that I certainly hope that somebody uh, to me that A and M game was somebody had challenged him like, hey, we're getting bullied down low. We need you to go in there and be the most physical guy on the court. I hope something like that could happen uh, in this game because if not, I'm really worried about the numbers Sheway could put up because we've already seen him put up, what, 37 and 24 in a game this yeah. year? Now, his overall numbers aren't quite as as, as gaudy mm-hmm. as they were a year ago, but he's still averaging nearly 13 rebounds a game. Uh, you'll have the top two rebounders in the league and uh, the top two percentage shooters in the league because they don't shoot from outside. Although Janai does. Janai will shoot the ball farther away from the basket than Oscar Chibway. And Janai has the, the he is number one in the SEC in shooting percentage. Hmm. And, I don't think I realized that. Yeah, yeah, and, and Oscar Chibway is second. And Chibway, of course, hardly shoots anything inside six feet, outside six feet, I mean. I, I don't think I, so 52.8% yeah. is, that leads the league? Uh, I, well, I, I think in shots, you have to have a minimum shots per game to get in there. 
So, well, I think I think she may, may have him beat. She was at fifty six percent. Well, I think in conference, are you looking at conference games ah, only? I'm I mean, not. that's I think that's what Auburn put out. It was in conference he's games 54% only. Fifty four percent in conference play, and she weighs like she weighs. He's fifty three point eight or something. Fifty four point one, and she weighs fifty three point eight. Yeah, so they're right there. It's like a razor's edge between these two. Well, I'll tell you what, if, if Janiah Broom's numbers are close to Oscar Sheboy's tomorrow, Auburn's probably got a really good chance. Yeah, I mean, if... Because Sheboy is much more generally of of what Kentucky's numbers are, has, you know. Yes. Well, so, something that I do think is interesting when you look at this, uh, when you look at Oscar Sheboy, he's not the greatest defensive big man in in the country or like even oh, in no, this conference. No, he, like he's not Kentucky a, he's not, is not a great defensive mm-hmm. team. Yes. And so I I think there is an opportunity for Janai to get his on the offensive end. And to me it all comes down to either can he just basically wash out Oscar Sheway's numbers or can he limit Sheway to an extent that I we have not seen him do and this. Here, here's something that that that's crazy though. You sort of want Janai to be more aggressive offensively, but maybe not as aggressive defensively, because he likes to try to block a lot of shots. Yeah, I think I think I mean, if you try I mean, to do fair. that against Shibway, you're probably going to get fouls called. Or or if you're if it's think, if, or if it's somebody else going up for a shot in the paint and you're going up for that block, then Shibway is going to get the offensive board right. if they miss. Yep. If you don't get the block, yep. I mean, and that's. That's easy because Auburn to clean generally up and does, get putbacks. Yeah, and that's one of the things Sonny was saying is he'd love to see Auburn say five to the glass when mm-hmm. when you're on defense because we've seen way too many times, especially the other night against Ole Miss, it was ridiculous for two thirds of the yeah. ball game. They were they were nearly doubling Auburn in rebounds because it was and it was all offensive rebounds mm-hmm. because it would be one person maybe under the glass. Uh, when the other team shot, and Auburn would have guys look like they're ready to get out and try to fast break, so it'd be three or four on one, and and invariably Ole Miss would get the rebound. So you can't be doing that against Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, you Auburn has to have um, a good game on the defensive glass because if you give up, I mean, if you give up offensive rebounds, if you give seventeen offensive rebounds to. Ole Miss, who I know is a good offensive rebounding team as well, but if you go in with that same <laughs> uh, mentality and game plan and all that, I mean, when it comes to crashing the glass on defense, Kentucky's going to get twenty something offensive rebounds yeah. against Auburn, and at that point, like the, there is no margin for error. You better be shooting forty something percent from three and over fifty percent from the field, and get to the line more than them, which does not happen very often on the road. I mean, you have to crash the glass on defense. Yeah, something we didn't get into with Sonny, um, uh, but but I'm sure he, he would have uh, he, he would have been great to hear. Talking about winning that close game in the last few minutes. We talked about it a little bit yesterday with Zeb Jasper, but, uh, you know, it's something Auburn had not won the close games. Auburn had struggled. Uh, in a, if it's a tight game and it had been the last five minutes of the game, Invariably, Auburn is is losing. I mean, mm-hmm. until the other night, and I I'd said, and I, I wasn't I wasn't completely joking. I didn't really want that to be the case against Ole Miss, but it's good now that they have had a game that they had to win in the yes. final five or six minutes and did. So, I mean, I went back and I thought about this really. The last game that at the very end Auburn had to go like win it. 
I'm not I'm not going to count the Mississippi State game where Auburn had a lead and State chips away a lot right. at the very end and, and cuts hung to the on six. barely, yeah. Or or even the Ole Miss game where Auburn wins by nine on the road. You have to go the, all the way back to the Florida game to find a game where Auburn like in crunch time had to go win a game in the last couple minutes. Yeah, and that was sort of similar to the Ole Miss game. Mm-hmm. Led yeah. gave it away and then and then yeah and won. and so won. like I do think uh, while you would have loved to have handled business and not have it uh, have the uh, blood pressure get a little high in the middle of that Ole Miss game. It may be a good thing in the long run. Yeah, for it surely can't hurt. Like, okay, we've we've we haven't done this since since December twenty eighth, and we just figured out a way to, to get over the hump again. Well, the most recent memory is going to be we did you know is is we did the things needed to made got the stops and got to the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean that's that's their latest you know the, the last time they went out there that happened because up until then it had, it had to be every time it came down to the last few minutes you had to be thinking oh god we can't do this again yeah. and 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 you know you start thinking about things like that and you're going to make mistakes yeah I mean this this I do think that maybe in a weird way not playing your most dominant game but then finishing the way you did you may be able to pull more confidence from that than the false confidence if you'd blown them out. I mean, when Auburn got yeah, up 12, yeah, if exactly. they'd won by 20, I don't know what good well, that, that would have done. That was what I was worried about coming into this into that game on Wednesday because you had just lost three in a row going into mm-hmm. the Missouri game. You blow them out of the water from start to finish, and it's and all of a sudden you're like, we fixed all our problems, and it turns out you hadn't, and it was just... I'll be honest, that Missouri team didn't look prepared and they looked like they got rattled in the environment. Yeah, and then like they were we're we're talking about they're throwing passes like five feet away from guys out of bounds and it was it looked awkward and clunky and it's also a great matchup for Auburn because in the main rotation, the biggest guy on the court for them was Kobe Brown at like six seven. Yeah. So like they weren't and a he's huge more team. a wing, really. He's a yeah, big, yeah. Exactly. And so it was a great matchup for Auburn. Auburn took advantage. And then we saw on Saturday that there's still some issues that Auburn needs to figure out. And I think going through the struggle of that game against Ole Miss on Wednesday may be a blessing in disguise for this Auburn team. Hope so. We'll find out uh, starting tomorrow. I mean, again, I said it yesterday. It's like the basketball version of Amen Corner with at Kentucky, at Alabama, and Tennessee coming in. Um, You know, Kentucky is the lowest. You've got the numbers two and three. Net teams. What's where's Kentucky? They're uh, they're, in the they're around, they're around they are, twenty, aren't they? I think they're a couple spots ahead of Auburn, and the oh, net so rankings are twenty eighth. Twenty eighth, right? They're twenty eighth. Auburn's thirty first. I think in Kimpom, Auburn's actually slightly ahead of Auburn. Is twenty Auburn's twenty second? Kimpom. I didn't realize Auburn was that high. In I didn't either. And Kentucky's thirty first. Hmm. So I find I find that interesting that it is. that Auburn's that high in Kimpom, especially considering the recent stretch, and Kentucky is actually lower than them when in the net rankings. It's a lot tighter, and Kentucky's ahead. Oh yeah. All right, we'll get to our first break here of hour number two. If we get a chance, we'll let you hear some Butch Thompson previewing a Southern Cal series, and of course, take your phone calls at three three four three two one thirteen ninety here on the Friday Drive. Walk-On Sports Bistro is now open. 
Walk On Sports Bistro puts everything we've got into bringing you game day with a taste of Louisiana. We start every dish from scratch and use fresh ingredients to bring our mouth-watering Cajun cuisine to life in every restaurant. Dig into our mouth-watering Louisiana cuisine like po' boys, gumbo, and voodoo shrimp, plus fan favorites like juicy burgers and fresh salads. Walk On's Bistro, 3041 Capsway, Opelika. That's 3041 Capsway in Opelika. Live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Friday afternoon. Bill and Carter here in the studio, Drew at the controls. And uh, while we've got a little bit of time, thought we'd let you hear Butch Thompson yesterday as he addressed the media with the Tigers now hosting Southern Cal this weekend in a series at Plainsman Park. Uh, Butch, will you be going the same lineup though this week as far as your pitching or sort of thing? We'll go with the uh, same first two. Um, it'll be also. It'll be Gonzalez. I think from evaluating, there would be an obvious choice for Sunday. We'll, we're going to set TBA right now um, uh, just to, to make sure everybody's going to class and doing everything they're supposed to be doing as a student athlete. Uh, so we'll keep working to, to try to figure it out in the weekend. But you know, I think we've pared it down to where we probably have gotten 16 pitchers in a ball game in four games, and that'll start paring down from evaluations and – but I think it'll it'll end up being a new starter. But we're gonna hold on for a couple of days and and get into this series. Okay. <clears throat> what goes into to those decisions? Because I know sometimes it may be recovery time for one guy. Maybe he's better a couple of times on a weekend. Is there, are there things that you have to find out about these these guys now as you get into the season? Yeah, I think we're getting closer. I think there's some definite guys that have been trained as starters and. You probably double that from the games you play. So you probably have trained eight guys as a starter. We've used the word piggyback. So you're training two guys per day in that manner. And you could even flip them week to week. You know, there was – I would I would imagine we're going to keep taking a look at things. But Bauman and Alsup could have flipped this week if you're, you know, playing, playing along at home. Uh, you know, Joseph will just keep him on his days. And if he keeps building up five innings is a lot, first time out in my opinion. So – it, can he keep showing that growth and and keep ticking up? Maybe um, it may have been my most favorite outing from a precision standpoint of commanding the baseball. Um, uh, but, you know, I don't want to start shortening days and stuff with Joseph here in the non-conference because I want his arm to keep ticking up, if you will. I think there's still a ton more velo that we've seen in the past and some things to come. But uh, tickled to death with, with his out- outing and – I'm, I'm comfortable right now keeping him positioned there. And then, you know, Drew Nelson got an opportunity. We absolutely believe in his character, uh, believe in his future here. Um, but we're going to keep taking different looks uh, at, at guys. Uh, Zach Crotchfelt stuck out big time to us last uh, Sunday. Um, and I thought Herbert Holtz, at least from a stuff standpoint, was another pitcher that I thought was positive and on a day there were, there was not a lot to draw out positive. Um, so we'll keep working. I want to give everybody that's worked hard an opportunity, uh, but we're going to make sure, like I was kind of alluding to, I mean, it's a standard for this. And everybody's watching 
in the organization to see if like man we have to do this to to live up to the standard and we all have to do that to to be able to get on the field and do what we're supposed to do to represent our program so but i'm i'm excited i think it'll be a few more guys the next four games that pitch but we're going to continue looking at things we want to see also again um see if he can get deeper into a ball game be more efficient um we're about to face a if you ask any questions about Southern Cal, very patient-oriented ball club, a very <clears throat> traditional West Coast type of look in these first four games. Uh, maybe one of their guys, Jackson, one of their best hitters, is four games into it. He has seven walks and zero strikeouts. Uh, so they're evaluating pitches very well. So we need to probably throw less guys, but we're trying to win ball games. This <laughs> isn't spring training. Uh, we're, we're, we need guys to to shove it in the strike zone like we've been preaching to start this season. Jeff, talk about the decision to, to host the series instead of being on the plane right now and what all went into that and, and the challenges it comes with. Just back and forth because uh, baseball guys are part-time weathermen, so we all, we all look at it. <clears throat> and this week I had Los Angeles on my weather app and I had Huntsville on my weather map in addition to Coontail, Mississippi, and uh, Auburn, Alabama. So uh, we just touch base, like like you do with a lot of people. Um, early on, a week out, you know, it's kind of that, hey, this is Butch over here, just checking in on you, Andy, and uh, weather looks lousy. Uh, and then him saying, yep, I was probably going to get in touch with you, I talk to my people, my administration. Next thing you know, another day happened, and I think Tuesday mornings where it really became evident, like, yeah, we might not be able to get a game in, so what do we do? And um, first-year head coach Andy Stankiewicz is an amazing player. Uh, uh, coach was come, just came from Grand Canyon. He wants to play. We want to play. And if we can't get a game in, I hate it for our guys not getting to take that trip. But uh, what, a, what an amazing program and how exciting was that but I tip my hat to a lot of people in administration here, our travel people, our administrators, Southern Cal's administrators, to like, this is the right thing to do. If this is the right thing to do, then how do we get there? Because, man, it's, it's tough to pick up a college baseball team. You start taking 40, 50 people cross country. So you can imagine stopping our trip, <laughs> creating their trip in two days' time is really really impressive so i tip my hat to both administrations for knowing this is the right thing to do how do we get there and i would say they did that between six and eight hours and i can't tell you, i had three years together with andy uh with team usa so we spent some time together i've admired him like again he played in the big leagues he played for the new york yankees you know i played for glenn farms uh, in amory mississippi to give a shout out back to my hometown and Everybody at Glen Farms. I've, I've played for Glen Farms. So I think the world of this guy. And we're going to have a 12-time national champion, first time ever to, to be here at Plainsman Park. So it just it keeps getting neater, and I know I'm always making a big deal out of that stuff. But I, I just I appreciate them. Uh, appreciate our fans, how they've jumped on the tickets. We've made it available to our season ticket holders. And we got them up at uh, – I won't say their hotel here, but we got them at a nice place. They're going to have an amazing experience, and I'm just I'm just thankful this series is about to be pulled off. I just I did just get a video before sitting down with you about five ten minutes before of it's hailing in Los Angeles. It happens like one out every four years, so just more evidence that everybody's doing the right thing, and it's going to be a beautiful uh, weekend. And just encourage everybody to come out. 
for a second about last weekend and then on Tuesday. Can you how how much did you see this coming for Mike Irish? You know, true freshman in the SEC. Um, you know, when he first starts in being one of the best performers on the team from an offensive perspective. Yeah, I have to say I think the answer is uh, the whole time. Or he wouldn't been in a three hole of an SEC team and then they're like all these older guys go like who's coach? What's he doing with Ike? He's putting him in the three hole and, and Gabe put him right in the three hole to start a season. So I, I think the honest answer is the whole time. I think our players voted him as like the M V P of the fall. Uh, so yeah. We were really counting on him being a good hitter. He wouldn't have been in that three-hole. And then his ability just to evaluate pitches. So there's a high level of something going on. And they talk about young guys and walls and stuff like that. But I just – this guy, you know, swings at strike, takes balls, uh, tough at bat. The confidence, has real confidence. <clears throat> the other thing you look for with the first year, a very young player, are they strong enough? Can they physically hold up? He's strong. Uh, he just he has all those attributes that sometimes a young player that's going to be dynamic. You're you got to wait a year for their body to fill out. Uh, you have to get a hundred at bats before there's real confidence in yourself. And then you know a hitter with a track record is going to play for a long period of time. They must be able to evaluate. They must have eagle eyes. They must be 2010 or inside of that to play. In the big, no matter how strong they are, how quick their bat is, their exit below, launch angle. Uh, eyes, eyes, eyes is what is the common denominator of uh, professional hitters for a long period of time, and he checks. <laughs> Ike checks a lot of boxes, and we, I think, we knew it from the start. Uh, kind of following up on that, <clears throat> how rare is it to have a guy come in at, at eighteen and nineteen and be kind of as developed as, as Ike is showing? Yeah, because you can count them on a, a hand or two, right? In twenty plus years, uh, those type of guys. Uh, Jonathan Holder on the mound is a guy that, you know, his first 28 innings that he threw or entire year give up one run. Um, I look at freshman All-America Tanner Burns was one of those guys that has the mature frame in a, in a winning fastball. Cody Greenhill, uh, Stephen Williams were those type of guys that, that, that's had it. So it's been a minute in our program here. We've seen it before, and we think Ike ha has it. But, you know, <clears throat> you got to stay healthy. You know, he's DHing right now. Can we get him to keep growing in a position and, and get him out there? I told you we got good depth and we love our catchers. Um, you know, ball didn't go to the backstop Tuesday night with a, with Ryan Dial catching a new catcher. Ike's working some at first base. I think I got early work with him today. We, we must get better and keep growing. But Ike, and I'm not here to set him up for failure. I just, I, tr I believe that he has all these attributes to be a consistent, amazing hitter for us. And, and by putting him in the three-hole, we showed that, that trust and faith. And our players believe in it, too. Even our best players is like, we want Ike in the three-hole. And it, it was kind of a no-brainer, I think, for everybody in our, our circle. Right. Uh, what do you think it means to Bryson and this team that he's gotten up to a really good start? I think it's uh, very important. He looks – and I think he got a chance to get more settled. Um, but it's exciting. It's the risk-reward of somebody – Y'all have heard me say he stayed in the fight. He's There's nobody uh, Bobby would fight with me and stuff, but Bryson's about as athletic as you can get. You know, somebody that can run, play third base, arm strength, uh, put down bunts. He's already put a couple of those down, tried a couple more. He had a ball 450 feet the other night. Um, 
he played in the outfield for us. He came to us in junior college as a shortstop. Um, I, I think he's going to continue to get more and more comfortable at third base. Um, you know, there's a couple of throws he'd probably like to have back, but there's a couple of one-handed come-and-get-and-attack plays that he made that look extremely athletic. And then uh, I just couldn't be more tickled with him. I think when he hit his home run the other night, he had already gotten a bunt down the last at-bat for a hit and had tried to push bunt, I think, on the OO at-battle that Batty hit the home run. So I'm tickled to death. It, if he can hold up, I'm not expecting him to hit 600 the whole year. But um, if he can hold up and have this look in his eye and keep playing the way he's playing, it's going to help us reach a <clears throat> reach a higher level because he's uh, he's such an athletic ball player and I'm tickled to death with his story. That's Butch Thompson uh, talking with the media. Of course, the Tigers and the Trojans in about a half an hour over at Plainsman Park. We need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Love for you to join in. Key of Auburn Hotline, 334-321-1390 as we continue with the Friday Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Final 25 minutes or so here on this Friday afternoon. Bill and Carter. Dan should be back on Monday. And then he'll be gone for the rest of the week next week. Because next week, they've got their conference tournament down in Pensacola. I figured that that would happen. That that, that would be the way that, that their week would go. And I figured I'd be filling in yeah, again be, next week. Be, be, prepared, <laughs> uh, be prepared for that next week. Yeah, but, but that's when the team, the team is going down. The Troy women are going have down. Have they Pensacola. officially locked up the one seed in the... No, but they've, they have officially locked up the double bye. So they don't play until... Friday. But uh, but they are they are one game back. Or well, never mind. Hang on. I don't. Wow, this conference is a mess. Holy it is. How? All right. Where, where are they? Aren't they sec? Are they second? They are in like a four way tie for second place. Yeah. Which is. <sighs> so I guess they haven't locked up the double bye. They may play before because uh, the top four teams get double buys. James Madison. The top is... eight teams get a bye. James Madison is 13 and 4. After James Madison, it is a 1 2 3 four way tie between Texas State, Southern Miss, Old Dominion and Troy for the second spot. I mean, I I, I guess they, nothing are, are, are they all 12 and 5? They're, they're all 12 and 5, one game back of See, you got James five Madison. teams that have won at least 12. There's some really bad records in that conference too then. You've got a bunch of teams to have five um, teams at at twelve and five or better. Goodness. You've got five teams at six and eleven or worse. Yeah, okay. Uh, including a co- uh, South Alabama at two and fifteen and La Monroe at three and fourteen. Okay, so I guess that's it. Yeah, so you've got the top. You've got and then you've got a bunch of teams there in the middle too as well. So that's 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 wild. So yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So their plan was they're going to go down to Pensacola Tuesday. They were hoping they'd just be scouting for a couple of days. Uh, but they may be playing, um, maybe playing Thursday. I think it start it starts Wednesday, um, and then the, the the teams that finished five through ten, I think, 
will join in on uh, on Thursday, and then the top four play on start playing Friday. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, speaking of schedules, let's take a look at the SEC schedule for tomorrow. Um, uh, I mean, because you have so many teams in the SEC standings that really we don't know where they're going to be. I saw I saw a lot of if the SEC tournament was today, here's the way it'd be. It's going to change an awful lot yes. when you've got. I mean, you've got Alabama at fourteen and one, and N A and M thirteen and two. But then Kentucky is alone in third right now. But Auburn and Tennessee are one game back. Missouri, Arkansas, and Vandy are another game back. So I mean, you have you have yeah. six teams within a couple of games of each other trying to get into the top four and get the double bye. Yeah, I mean, you've you've got. Um, so many teams kind of in that same little pack together that, I mean, I guess theoretically, didn't, didn't we look at this earlier in the week that in theory, even like Florida's not dead? No, they're not the eliminated, season? but Auburn and Arkansas have the toughest schedules. Yes. Auburn has, Auburn has, uh, at Kentucky, at Alabama and Tennessee, Arkansas has the same three teams starting with at Alabama tomorrow. But I mean, I mean, a win on Saturday for Auburn. Regard- now, now you have tiebreaker re- over Kentucky. Yeah, I was, was going to say, regardless of whether you end up in the top four, I think a win Saturday, as we were saying a while ago, was sunny. I think a win Saturday, and you're in the tournament. Though. Yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But you'd, would- you'd love to get that double bye. But yes. hey, you, even more important than that is getting the twentieth win. Getting um, well, I don't know if it's quad one win, is it? Yeah, I guess it. It is. would be. It would be because it's on the road. Okay. Um, yeah. And they're. I mean, it'd be a quad one win at home as well because they're they're twenty eighth in in the net and Auburn's thirty first. So it's it's a quad. Well, two I was g- thinking they were. I was thinking they were the ones that were thirty one. So. Yeah, it's a it's a quad two game for, for Kentucky, Kentucky. That's but it's right. It's a quad one game for Auburn because it's on the road. And I think it was top seventy or seventy five. I think it's seventy five. I think it's seventy five. It may be seventy, but yeah, you're right. It would be a, it would be a quad one. And Auburn needs one. They're they they've only got two quad one wins this it year. It is top seventy five. Okay, there you go. Uh, but but yeah, here's the schedule for tomorrow. Uh, in a you know in a game, Missouri absolutely has to win. Missouri is is at Georgia uh, at noon. That's on the SEC Network at one o'clock. Uh, Alabama hosts Arkansas on ESPN two um, at two thirty. You've got. Uh, Texas A and M at Mississippi State. That's a tough that's a one, huge, and that's one that State that's a has huge to for have. Mississippi State because State, I think, according to Lenardi right now, is the last team and or the right. last team in the tournament. Yeah, I think they are the last. So they one. don't need to lose that one at home. But A and M, A and M desperately needs to win that one to try to keep their hopes of winning the regular season. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that that Arkansas team can give Alabama. Some difficulty tomorrow. No, I agree. I agree. Arkansas because, is playing better. I mean, Alabama's got to be distracted by all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's got to be distracting. It's got to be mentally exhausting for that team. Uh, I mean, you saw how a not very good South Carolina team that's third to that's one game out of a tie for last place in the SEC. Mm-hmm. You saw how they were able to. Take Alabama to overtime, and it wasn't because of the overwhelming crowd. I mean, <laughs> yes. they, they had a good crowd, but I mean, it's not like the most hostile atmosphere that you're. Yeah, absolutely go not. And that that Arkansas team, and you and I have talked about it earlier this week. The Arkansas team that you might see in the NCAA tournament may not have the spectacular seed, 
but I wouldn't want to draw them. No. As they as they have gotten back to full strength a little bit, not completely because they lost that center for the year with the torn ACL, but, I mean, they've won five of the last seven with the only losses being to Mississippi State, one that they probably should have won at home, and then at Texas A&M, who's really good. Um, they're gonna they're finding their stride. It's a tough schedule here, but that's a team that I wouldn't want to mess with in the, in the NCAA tournament. It's a team that, if I'm Alabama, I don't love that they're coming to town tomorrow. No, those two ball games, Arkansas and Alabama, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, very interesting. As is, of course, the Auburn Kentucky game. Kentucky, you know, looking to continue its hot streak and solidify itself uh, as the three seed is what it appears. I mean, I guess. They're three games. Yeah, they're three games back of A and M for the second seed. So they're going to be if they yeah, win, they're in good shape to be the three seed there. But Auburn looking to wrap up, you know, where it looked like a sure thing that the Tigers are in the NCAA tournament. Now, I mean, it's they, they, they need something like this. Like we were saying, you don't want to have to go into the SEC tournament thinking a win. we need to win a game or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with you there as well, uh, especially. If you go into the SEC tournament in that type of a situation, you would go. Then you you'd are be going, limping into. Yeah, the you would. You'd be going in having lost nine of your last twelve. Yes, and and I mean, you would have to go reverse a trend that has been setting in of mm-hmm. you not finishing games, not finishing the season well. You'd have to buck that trend and get it going the other way, which I think is a lot to ask if you are in that boat. And the Auburn-Kentucky game, uh, of course, is on CBS. Uh, then the the evening session, I guess, you'd start at 5 o'clock with South Carolina at Tennessee. That should not be much of a contest. Although Tennessee, well, Tennessee can't score. Tennessee's offense and, has really been bad. And Michi Johnson and Gigi Jackson are yeah. can go off. I mean, we we saw what they did in Rupp. I mean, That's true. Actually, South Carolina's been a better team on the road than they have been at home, just like Ole Miss. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. I mean, so that's liable to be closer. Uh, Florida at Vandy's an interesting game, too. I mean, Vandy, uh, you thought, oh, they had things going. They'd won five straight until LSU beat them the other night. I mean, that's still, that's that's as a big a shocker. I wouldn't have said that at the start of conference play because the start of conference play, remember LSU beats Arkansas and Vandy looked bad. Yes, and now Vandy, yeah. Vandy, after their win against Auburn, had moved into a tie with Auburn, and then they lose yeah. to the Gators. It's, I mean, lose to the uh, Tigers. Handle business LSU. against an LSU team that had one conference win, had lost thirteen in a row in conference play, and fourteen in a row overall. Yeah, I mean, like, like <laughs> horrible, yeah. just an awful stretch, and you slip up against what I think right now is granted. I mean. Ole Miss just fired Kermit Davis, so maybe that affects how they play moving forward. But going into that game, I I think LSU was the worst team in the country, or in in, in not not in the country in the SEC. And you don't handle business there after this crazy run of wins. And then you've got, of course, the way you want to cap off a day is with the battle for the bottom. God. LSU and Ole Miss is the seven thirty game, the only night game in the SEC. So it's like, okay, go ahead and go out. They should you, you can go you can go out on Saturday. They should night. have swapped <laughs> South Carolina, Tennessee, and that LSU Ole Miss game. Like, put that LSU Ole Miss game where there's another SEC game happening at the same time yeah. that's going to be yeah. better and almost like act like it's over there in the corner. Don't pay attention to it, and instead it's standalone on SEC Network for the SEC at seven thirty. 
Oh, yeah. We need to get to our final break. We'll get back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. Rob, hang on. You'll be up when we come back for the final segment here on the Friday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. Welcome back in. Final segment of The Drive here on this Friday afternoon with Bill and Carter. Let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Rob is up next. Hey, Rob. Hey, guys. Uh, y'all talking about Auburn basketball. And, and yep. uh, it is a murderer's row, man, at Kentucky, at Alabama, and at home against Tennessee. But it's also an uh, incredible opportunity for Auburn. And I, I'm with y'all. You hate going into the tournament saying you got to win at least two games, whatever, because you never know the mindset of your team when you get to the conference tournament, especially if. They already have a really high seed, pretty much locked in. It's almost, but I don't want to admit it, sometimes they just really don't show up. So with this Auburn team, it's just, they're as good as they're going to be. How far do you think they can go, provided they do get into the tournament? And I'm pretty confident they will. Uh, you know, usually tournament, it's guard play, and Auburn's guard play has not been, you know, it's not been great. It was, it's good to see Wendell Green, you know, play well. He looked, and, he looked good and, on Wednesday. And he hit, the, he hit those big free throws down the stretch. But Auburn's got to find, they've got to find something from the two. They've got to get yeah. something from the two. I mean, Allen has, has, has helped, but they really just haven't had enough of another threat. Well, I mean, Zepp, I think I looked at it. Zepp scoring five points on Wednesday was just the 11th time he's cracked five points all, all season. And he's your starting two guard. It's just not a lot of production there. If you're asking me, I mean, KD's. Depending on matchup, Auburn could win a game in the NCAA tournament, but I don't feel confident saying that they can get to the Sweet 16 with the way that the guards have played. And if you meet a big physical team. Uh, like at one point they were they were going to be matched up with Purdue according oh, to that the the bracketology. I mean Zach Eady would have a field day against Auburn's bigs in that matchup. Yeah. Well, you know, going into the season, you know, the, the narrative on Auburn, the storyline was Auburn Pearl didn't go after any other guards. He trusted the guards he had. But last year we saw what happened against Miami in a four guard lineup, uh, and they made it all the way to the Elite Eight. Uh, it's almost like this season, I hate to say this, but there were pretty low expectations from everybody around Auburn basketball. And I I don't think that's... Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that, Rob. I mean, I think after the trip after the trip to Israel, I mean, and and the way Chance yeah. Westry looked over there, and and, and Yoan Treor showed yeah. some showed some flashes over yeah. there. I think the feeling yeah. was, man, Auburn's got a couple of you know, there are a couple of top fifty players in those freshmen, yeah. and that probably that's probably been the 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 biggest uh, surprise, if you will. I you know, I, I hate to say disappointment because Chance has been hurt. Yeah. Yeah, but Chan, I mean that that one to me. There's a legitimate like you can point to something as okay. This is why this hasn't panned yeah. out. Yoan's is baffling to me. Just like it looks like the game is just way too fast for him. He looks like he, the the 
he's thinking too much. The wheels are turning too much in his head, and it's and it's translated into a very inconsistent play when he's been on the court. Have you been surprised that in a couple of, you know, when Auburn has played well, we haven't right. even seen him lately? Yeah. The the only time we've seen him recently was the game that Dylan Cardwell was out. We yeah. saw him as the as the five behind Janai. That's the backup five. And, yeah. and that was... I was surprised. He didn't really get any minutes against Missouri, which I thought was no, odd. No, and Auburn won by 33, and yes. he didn't get in. Yeah, I thought that was very strange. I, uh-huh. I've i kind of been wondering, in that four spot they've been playing him, it hasn't panned out. It hasn't looked comfortable. Why not give him some, oh, I was going to go to the five. I'm going three. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I mean, just, just to see see what it looks like in a game that you've got in control. He also had his moment uh, at LSU where he had like his best game. He scores like eight points. Yep. He hits that little fadeaway ball at the at the elbow and then he disappears like from the ro- rotation entirely after that game. Yeah. Well, here's a question. Jason Caldwell was on uh, the show yesterday uh, in Memphis with us and talking about Johan Traore and like what what is his ceiling? And he said, I think he's got a really high ceiling but as Jason said, several about a month ago not all five stars are the same you look at jabari smith how he grew up with a dad that played at lsu and in the nba and johan Triori hadn't been play, playing basketball nearly as long but you, when you get a five star in you just automatically assume they're ready to play uh now with the portal and nil uh, you don't know if a guy's going to be there after dinner you know oh, absolutely may, not may be, may not be soft enough for him and he'll just leave you so uh, what what kind of that, I guess that's the thing I'm frustrated with and then Bill you and I grew up I mean you had shooting guards I mean you think about Frank Ford and Gerald White and even Doc Robinson uh, but you think of course Stan Peck the Cabot John oh, yeah. Dingelt mm-hmm. those kind of guys they, they, they were gym rats I mean they took a thousand shots a day now you've got the six eight guy that is a tweener that runs up and down the court I go to a lot of Grizzlies games in Memphis. These NBA guys are so good that the the six ten guys can post up and drain threes uh, consistently. You know, thirty five, forty percent. They're pros. I get it, but man, you know, look at John ja Morant. They got nobody evaluated him out of a little town in South Carolina. And my son, when he was like a sophomore or junior at Auburn, when Murray State played at Auburn, he said, "Dad." I don't care what they say about Zion Williamson, whatever. The best player in college basketball, number one pick in the draft, is going to be John Morant. But there are not many of those around, and it's almost like they go to the smaller schools. No one had ever heard of Steph Curry, remember, when they went to the mm-hmm. NCAA tournament. Uh, Steph was about 160 pounds, maybe. I'm pretty, and, probably yeah, close yeah. to 140. And, and Steph hadn't changed the game of basketball yet the way that he has to this point. Yeah. But man, I, I just—it'd be neat to have some guards that can, that can. Oh, I'd love to have somebody that could just no, you just you know he's going to light it up if you if you're not all over him. Yeah, well, I, that is, uh, man, just, we've 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 basketball's changed. I mean, it, it, it evolves always. But anyway, great show. I love it, Warrior guys. Great hearing from it. you, Rob Carter. Thanks again, man. It's absolutely. Uh, uh, you, you glad it's well? It's not quite the end of the week because you've got after the game tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? After the game tomorrow, and then, of course, after the final game against uh, Tennessee will be our last one.
right. But, uh, let, yeah, let everybody know about it after the game, yeah. though. Uh, after the Auburn game tomorrow, uh, we will be on the air, Jack Hutton and me, right here on ESPN 106.7, breaking down the game, getting your reactions, everything, right here on uh, in the Auburn Network studio. All right, Carter. Well, we'll have a great weekend. Dan should be back.